find it harder for artists more than ever. There's never been easier to get your music online, right? Or get your music out there. But it's never been harder to be heard. Welcome back to Not 97. We're starting a new series today called Community Check-In, where we tap in with guests who have been on 997 in the past, cultural shifters, tastemakers, influential voices, ultimately people who inspire us and many others. The first guest is Jam Supernova, known for her work on BBC Radio as a DJ, previously won Extra, now BBC Six Music, as well as Selector Radio. Jams is also the owner of the Future Bounce record label. We talked through Jams' current post at BBC Six, how she discovers music these days, and who she's listening to right now. Enjoy. Welcome back yeah. to 997. <laughs> oh, thank you for having me again. I think like it's been about like, oh God, I think like two years. I know, two maybe years. Maybe longer, ago. maybe three years. Yeah, I can't remember. I know it was like in the depths of lockdown. Um, I remember just drinking a lot of wine and having a good chat with you guys. <laughs> Hell yeah. How have you been recently? What have you been up to? Um, I know you still got your radio show, you got your label stuff. Yeah. What's keeping you busy? Well, and lots, lots has changed actually since then. So I had a baby. Um, Cheers. So Cheers one. to that. Yeah. Thank you. Cheers. And I'll sit drinking my tea to that. Um, so she's one, one and a bit now. So that's, yeah, that's kind of that chapter started in, in full motion. And then, um, radio wise, I joined a new radio station. I joined a, it's still part of the BBC, but it's called BBC six music. And it's kind of a little bit, a little bit older, a little bit more alternative and kind of a bit broader, I would say. So I'm, I'm on in between Huey Morgan, who's from fun loving criminals and Giles Peterson. And like Huey kind of does like the soulful rap and like the hip hop sort of like New York hip hop kind of soulful stuff. And then Giles is kind of on that kind of journey. And then I kind of bridge the two of them in that sense, which is really nice. And then I, um, yeah, I started that in the 2021 and then I've now left one extra and kind of, that's like my main focus is that show. It's a really good slot on a Saturday afternoon, kind of basically being able to play whatever I want for two hours. So we kind of go around the world with a kind of focus on upbeat club music. I would say that's kind of at the core of it. Yeah. Has um, it changed, has it changed the curation that you, that you do like the, the artists that you're playing? Yeah, definitely. I think it, I mean, obviously I kind of, when my one extra show was very down tempo and it was kind of, yeah, it was a slow, it was a slow show. It was a late night, a late night show. Whereas this is kind of leaning into me more as a DJ and kind of, yeah, a bit more as a DJ and a bit more of a kind of wider tastemaker because I think the or, or wider music knowledge, I would say actually, because the one extra show it was very much like, this is new music. This is what's coming out right now. Whereas on the Saturday show, it, you, there's no time limit on what you play in terms of like when, what, what era it might've come from. So, um, you know, you could play something from the sixties, from the fifties, you know, if there's the reason to play it, maybe the context, maybe you just discovered it, maybe it was sample, maybe it's a reissue. So for me, it's kind of really helped me to have a reason to learn again and to yeah. discover and to like, we did like a whole, like the other day I like, you know, had Wajid on, we we're talking about the whole kind of high tech jazz uh, era and kind of like that, you know, I've done shows where looking at like the Chicago house into like the, you know, the sort of early, early size of techno. So for me, it's kind of, it's kind of given me like a new lease of life and a new chapter in terms of like, as a, as a journalist, from a journalistic side about stories that I kind of want to tell. Yeah, that's cool. It can be like, you can like, shows can be kind of themed around certain things mm -hmm. and you can like lean in on that. 
Yeah, exactly. And then, but then what's really cool is that alongside that, so that's kind of like my indulgent, like Saturday, like, you know, let's just go on a journey. Let's, you know, I just did a two hour Columbia special the other day, but then alongside that radio show, I still do a show for the British council, which is like all UK music. So like two hours every week, UK music. Uh, And that for me is like, I think actually like it very much keeps me sort of plugged in. I've got my indulgence up, but then I'm very still much plugged into like what's happening, not just in London, but like what's happening across the whole of the UK and all these different pockets and like what's coming through, what's next, you know, the bands, the, the sounds that have been changing. I've been doing that show since 2019. So like over the last couple of years, like where the UK sound is kind of really going, we're kind of on, uh, you know, riding that wave, I think in real time. Yeah. that No, I was going to, I was going to ask you if you're still doing that show, because I think, that's a really unique thing and gives you a really cool perspective. And, and I wonder like what, you know, from doing that show for so many years, how has your perspective shifted on like artists kind of breaking out in the UK? I think it's kind of, well, I definitely feel like, you know, for me, it's kind of, I still have to like, because we kind of have different sections of the show and some of it is like really emerging. Like there's one section and it's kind of all, you know, sort of like people making their debuts or that very sort of early stage of like real in real life discovery. So that's the kind of section where it's like kind of about the potential of the artist, you know, some of the songs are a bit more rougher and rawer, but I think in terms of like, um, the rest of the way that I program the show and kind of what I'm listening for, it's kind of like, for me, it's uniqueness. What is going to show someone that's no idea, you know, of the UK and what we make and what we create, you know, what music is going to be, you know, the, the most diverse and the musically and people, you know, that's, that's what's really important for me to show that and locality. So it's like, okay, right. We've had two people from London. Now I need to play someone from, you know, give me anywhere else in the, in the UK and kind of really having a focus on that and like making little notes. It's a bit like a bit of a web to try and like organize and to, um, to make sure that we kind of hit all those, all those moments. But I like, I like the multi-genre-ness of it. I like the fact that we can literally just jump from a punk song, to a rap song to a an indie song to a you know to an orchestral song how do you go about discovering new music these days i think that's changed a lot as well i mean over the last you know since i've been, I've been making radio myself since for like over 10 years and kind of at first it was very much like soundcloud you know I would do like seven days of SoundCloud and go back and be like, you know, that's the show. And then for me now, I kind of, then I loved blogs. I've, you know, I loved blogs. I really did love blogs. And I think I was the last one holding on. You know, <laughs> I was, it's just me, you know, every panel I'd be like, yeah, blogs. And people would be like, blogs, you still use blogs? I'm like, yeah, I do. But um, that's slowly filtered out as well now. But um, I would say Bandcamp is massive for me, for my Saturday show. Definitely Bandcamp. I love, I love the, I love reading the articles. I love kind of the curated feed that I've already created from what I've already purchased. Then you can kind of see what other people have purchased. So I like, kind of like to look at that. It's like a, basically like a, it's like a SoundCloud 2.0. It's like never ending musical discovery, but it takes a lot of your money. (laughs) I spend about a hundred quid a week on Bandcamp, but yeah, it's quite satisfactory as well. And then, but that kind of plugs me in like globally as to what's happening and then kind of like label and communities and things like that and then for the British Council show the UK show I actually use a lot of um I actually use Spotify a lot and a lot of the third party curated playlists and kind of sort of digging through those so maybe the spaces that used to be a blog but they don't they no longer can function as a blog but they still take submissions and still you know make uh, still have a, a platform in a sense. So I use kind of a lot of those playlists and then a lot of like, you know, like almost like making my algorithms almost. So like tapping yeah. likes and, you know, like uh, kind of going down that wormhole of like, okay, so 
you know, find this artist. Okay, make sure I like them so they'll be notified when something else is coming out. And then even sometimes using like, to me honestly, it's like banging my head against the wall sometimes, but like New Music Friday. So like I might, but I'll start at the bottom because the bottom is like to them probably the least important artist, but to me it's the most important artist. <laughs> so I scroll 160 songs right down to the bottom. I normally get a bit bored midway up and, and, and dip out because then it gets quite mainstream, but you do find some really good gems right at the bottom. And then that just sort of takes you on a little web and, you know, yeah. I still love that, that side of creating. I, I love that. I love that answer because for you who has the BBC show, you have the British Council show, you're mm. still very much like in the weeds with it, you know? Mm. And I think that's very much appreciated. I mean, I think people ask me that question. I'm similar to you. I'm like, I'm still on SoundCloud. Like what's the, like, I like the creating your own algorithm thing where it's like, mm. what's the, you listen to one song, go to the related songs, scroll down until some, something catches your eye, click on yeah. that and then just go down, like create that web, go down that rabbit hole and see where it takes you. And of course, emails. Yeah. You know, I think that that's like my last point of call would be like the email list. But like, I've got like a little system now where I'm like, that's for that show. That's for that show. That's for that. And then I'll come back to it like right at the end when I've spent all my money and I've exhausted uh, the stream, <laughs> or, you know, the, the, play, the playlist. Then I'll go into my emails and normally I can find some nice gems in there as well. I think like we're in an interesting place right now with music discovery and emerging artists, mm. especially like post pandemic. There's a lot. Yeah. A lot. A lot has changed and shifted in the last, uh, you know, three years. Um, and so I, I kind of wonder f for you, what do you look at? Um, or what do you think it takes to like build a sustainable career for a young artist right now? Mm. I mean, yeah, I mean, that's like the kind of golden, the golden question, isn't it? Because we're trying to do that with artists on, on my label and, and I'm looking at like case studies as like, why, what made that work or what made that work? You know, because I don't know if I, I'm starting to like, you know, obviously I'm still using Spotify myself, but like in terms of like, um, I find it harder for artists more than ever. There's never been easier to get your music online, right? Or get your music out there, but it's never been harder to be heard. And I feel like at one point like Spotify was really kind of open and you could have meetings and you could, you know, really find your person. But I feel like over the year they kind of got like even more and more closed. And even if you do get some of those playlists, like you might get a new music Friday, you might get on these playlists, but like that doesn't mean you're going to get that million streams like it meant, you know, four years ago. And when I'm sort of thinking about the artist now, and I, I'm literally having these conversations with, with my team or with the artists that I'm working at. And I, I've been on this like scheme, which is uh, called Power Up. It's run by PRS and it's like to build like you know black CEOs and kind of we meet and then we do sort of like workshops and stuff like that and one of the things I was asking was like you know like what does a successful campaign look like now when you don't have a massive budget and then she was kind of like well you just sort of pick one thing for each campaign so you pick one thing that you're going to focus on so maybe this maybe for this release it's really just about the video you're going to pour your resources into just making a really sick video but you can't do the video and the radio and the you know and the and the and the PR so you're just going to pick the one thing that you want to do per campaign so I found that's been really kind of for me, I think that's been really good to kind of remember with some of these emerging artists. What is it that you really need right now in this moment? Okay, actually, do we need PR? Who are we talking to? You know, actually, is PR going to help you? Or is it about trying to, to make some noise 
um, on playlisting? Should we get someone, a, you know, a plugger to do those third party playlists for us so we can shout about those instead of a traditional PR thing? So, but I think when I'm looking at like other case studies of like who's coming through, I think it's still that kind of 18 month, you know, 18 to 24 months of consistent releases, really, really consistent releases and a real sort of strategy and, and a build. I do think that if you stick to it and you, but then you also need the team and the live moments as well. So it's a lot. I, I, I don't, I don't actually know, but I do think that consistency, I would say that's the first, the first thing. The, yeah. you know, the steady releases. I agree with you. I mean, I, it's a hard question to answer. Mm-hmm. There's, there's no formula, but, but I do no. agree that I think it's consistency. It's honesty, like being genuine. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, yeah. and, and doing something unique, you know, I think for both of us, mm-hmm. it's like finding artists that don't feel like other artists that we're finding. And it's like, yes, how, definitely. you know, being, being yourself and being your full self across all platforms, your music and mm-hmm. uh, Instagram on TikTok, whatever it is, like we want to see you. Yeah, I think that's a good, really good point in kind of having that, like, as long as you kind of, you know, I, I personally wouldn't go on TikTok to find music, you know, and I sit in meetings where it's all TikTok driven, you know, it's all, all these meetings at like major labels and it starts with data. That's where the conversation starts. This song is moving and then you listen to the song and I find that really kind of like, I don't really enjoy that way of talking about music and discovering music but I do love it I do really like it when an artist that is like you know maybe they've been shelved by their label or like you know or they're they're just working out who they are and then they just come up with this brilliant piece of content like a repeatable content idea that literally takes them from being like on the shelf to being like main priority I'm like that's the power that an artist can have if you can find a way to express your art and really connect with your audience like directly connect with them and take them into your world using a 60 second clip. Then I think that that's, that that's sort of autonomy is something that I am very interested in. I agree. So let's talk a little bit about the UK. I think it's actually been an interesting moment for me recently, like hearing what people have been talking about and, and even like, you know, I think people often have this conversation, like what, what UK artists can cross over to bigger markets or even like cross over to the U S market or whatever. I've heard a lot of people be talking about Lil Sims and her new album, mm. which it's like, if you know, you know, Lil Sims has been around for a long time. Yeah, she, I was going to say that she's been crossed over. Like a lot, yeah. a lot of those bigger people are now mentioning her name or artists are mentioning her name. Like I was listening to the rap caviar, like Jinx's podcast and Jid is mentioning Lil Sims. And I'm like, okay, that's good to hear. I, I like that. Yeah. And then, and then even they did a, um, an interview about who's up next and they were talking about central C and I was like, a lot of these people haven't been talking about a UK London artist as this is who's up next, just in the wider conversation. But I wonder for you, what do you see happening like in the UK scene right now? Yeah. I mean, I, I always come at it from quite, I guess, a kind of alternative place, I guess, and kind of slightly outside of the mainstream. So I guess when say for, for someone like, you know, when we talk about someone like a little Sims to me, she's a fully fledged superstar, superstar. Yeah. Like I handed her the, I handed her the Mercury award, you know, for the, <laughs> the, highest, the highest order of an album in the UK. Like she's, she, she won it. She's got yeah, it. Say again, say again. You handed her the Mercury award. I handed her the Mercury award. Like, you know, it was literally, that was the best moment of my, you know, 10 year career, hands down. Um, being able to do that was, was such an honor, but yeah, so I, I, but I'm happy that in those kind of wider spaces and kind of like there's more, you know, kind of, I guess like mass commercial spaces that her name is getting mentioned because she deserves the bag as well. 
And I think sometimes when you are a little bit like outside of the box or, or independent, like you should, you should also be able to be rich. Why not? Why not get the bag? Why not play in front of thousands and thousands of people? Like we shouldn't, that's something I've been thinking about a lot just because you are slightly left of center doesn't mean you have to be in the corners, you know? And I think that she's showing that. Um, but yeah, I'm thinking, I'm thinking about like from the artist that I think maybe like in her sort of footsteps that maybe kind of would have opened up, uh, from what she's been doing. And I know it's been a long journey, but I feel like probably Koji Radical isn't that far behind. I think you can hear, probably hear a Koji Radical and a Jid song or a J. Cole song, Koji Radical, like it's not, or Kendrick, you know, like it's not that, um, I don't think that's any kind of few, few worlds removed, but if I was to kind of think on a sort of layer even kind of further down I really think that what's been piquing my interest and has been for the last you know five years or so is definitely our jazz scene Mm. and I think we have such a really strong actually I think maybe I'm being biased but I think we have the best jazz scene in the world right now (laughs) right now I think you know in terms of like the grit of it the the progressiveness of it and we've had some artists that are like they've kind of now at their peak over here so I think it's only kind of natural that they and they and they were just about to tour the US like in in the pandemic times and they you know kind of didn't get obviously didn't get to do it so then they've all gone away and made better albums than their previous debuts so now for them to come back to the US I think it's going to be a whole different kind of ball game and I'm talking about your Ezra Collectives your Kokorokos uh your Moses Boys you know they're kind of like right at the peak of their of their game that I would say they're like Yasmin Lacey's just she's a kind of soulful wise but she just released you know probably one of the best UK soul albums that we've had in a very in a very long time. So it'd be interesting when they tour now because they're going to be coming with a little bit more of a name than they would have done, you know, three years ago. And a lot of the music coming through right now is actually a lot of Indian dance music are two of the biggest genres in terms of emerging genres that we have right now. Like I think for so long, like Indian rock music kind of wasn't, it, it got to, it got stale basically. And people stopped really checking for it. And then sort of obviously rap music became more prominent and prevalent in the UK, but kind of obviously with all these genres, when it kind of goes back underground, it has to find a way to become new again. And I think that some of the productions and some of the stuff that's been coming out of it has been kind of really exciting, like very much a hybrid of sounds. It's kind of, it's, it's very post-punk, uh, very like the Clash inspired, like Sleaford Mod inspired. Uh, but these people from all different walks of life that are making it, black kids, white kids, kids up north, kids down south. Like there's a lot of uh, indie rock coming through and it's got that kind of like, yeah, the rawness, the grit to it. Um, there's a great label called Speedy Wonderground. They kind of seem to be home in, home to most of the new talent that's coming through. And the guy that, who runs the label, he's also a producer. So he's kind of crafting the sound as well. And his name is Dan Carey. But um, there's a band that I really like called English Teacher. They're like a trio from like up north and they kind of, they're really satirical and like um, the lyrics are like really kind of like tongue in cheek and social commentary. But I feel like they're quite standouts um, for me. And then, yeah, I, yeah. Tell me what you think about that first and, and whether you can relate to it on your side with the bands. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think the jazz call out is really special and i think there's definitely been a a big revival of young artists making really cool jazz music and also just like pushing jazz is such a uh, malleable genre so it's just like pushing what's possible within that in so many different directions um and that's been really exciting to me too but i also love that answer and uh, (laughs) the next question was going to be who are you excited about and you just gave me like (laughs) five to 10 names of people to now 
put down. Oh those. yeah, I mean, I was just getting kind of getting just getting started. To be fair, like that. That's <laughs> what I mean. I think doing that weekly show is like you're always getting pulled in in different and interesting directions. But yeah, I mean, the jazz guys. I think a lot of people probably know those guys. If I had to think about like, and if you want to kind of know. Then what's next in jazz and there's an album that total refreshment and i've just put out and that's kind of like a snapshot of like jazz now um and they're a community hub where people like mckay mcraven have recorded down there and that but it's a hub in east london where a lot of people pass through but they've done this album that has been kind of solely recorded there so i think that's a good place to start in terms of what where jazz is going now and then yeah with the with the whole band thing yeah definitely check out english teacher there i would say they're my favorite and anything from the Speedy Wonderground uh, label. Do you have an English teacher song that we should highlight? Yeah, there's one called um, Song About Love. And it's sort of like, you think it's like a, you think it's a love song essentially, but it's not. It's about kind of the anti-love song. And it's basically a song about all the mundane things we have to do as adults, put the washing on, you know, and do the washing up, pull the plug out, you know, just like really boring stuff. It kind of, she sings the way that she sings it is kind of, she, she she's makes it sound beautiful, you know, yeah. and it's got this big sort of crescendo right at the end and then it kind of dips. Um, but yeah, I would check out that one. And then dance music. I mean, like that's the other thing as well. I think post pandemic we're in, in the UK right now, we're in like a, well, like everywhere inflation is at its all time high. We've had the same government for the last 10 years and it's kind of a, I have to be careful because I'm on the BBC, but it's a, the rich, the rich, the rich are rich and the poor get poor kind of, you know, it, within that. And, it, you know, 30 years ago was when the whole rave scene, the free love acid scene came around in the UK. And I think that because of the conditions that we're kind of in, we're kind of back there in some ways, like 30 years on, but in, in it, like, I've never seen so many people rave. Yeah. People going out and they're getting there at 11 People want to get the energy out. Yeah, exactly. And the best place to do it, to forget whatever whatever you've got going on on a Monday, you know, is to go out on, on the weekend and go on the dance floor. So we've got, yeah, I would say that dance music is absolutely massive at the moment. And, you know, underground dance artists, like people like, there's an artist called Sherelle who makes like 160 BPM jungle techno uh, footwork inspired music, but she's playlisted on, you know, some of the BBC's daytime stations. She's playing massive, you know, massive crowds and, and touring the world. And she's playing a speed that not many people play, you know, she's playing, yeah. she's forcing everyone to play harder. You've got like Nia Archives, who's going to be coming to the US actually. She's like a jungle girl, uh, straight up yeah, and down we, jungle. We played her on, uh, on an episode last season nice. and, it, and it blew us all away. Yeah. I mean, and there's, there's more. I mean, there's like, um, there's a girl who used to MC with, um, uh, near archives called Miss Fire. Uh, it's M I S F Y A, but she's like making like kind of, yeah, really interesting, like ravey dance music, but then kind of speaking over the top of it. And it, you know, it's kind of like peak time, but like yeah. kind of own, owning your shit. So, yeah. We talked a lot about, uh, when we played in the archives and even just as, as like the season went through, we talked a lot about the resurgence of jungle and drum and bass and stuff. Mm -hmm. and I, I did an interview with uh, Willow Kane. Oh, nice. Oh, nice. Yeah. And, and she was talking about, cause she was like, I came up listening to this stuff and now mm -hmm. I'm posting this stuff on TikTok, and these kids are like, what is this? This sounds crazy. And she's like, you guys don't, don't even know the reference for this, but it's just a new sound to them. And we, We've also like, we've been playing with these new playlist ideas for the new season. And one of them is, is 
just like, is it a jungle or is it drum and bass? Like, it's like <laughs> whatever, <laughs> whatever world that's in, we're just going to put in that playlist and y'all can decide. <laughs> oh, I like that. Yeah. I mean, you know, I think a jungle and drum and bass all is so cyclical again. Like they, they, because it's like someone gets a 16, 17, 18, they go out for the first time, they hear this music, they're like, oh my God. Or well, now they're hearing it online. Oh my God, what the hell is this? What's these beat patterns? Never heard this in my life. Then they've got this like, so much music to wade through and to go back through. Um, I think that's what's, I, and that's what I really love about the genre. It will always come back around. So when all the labels are like, drum bass is back, it's like, we've, we've been, we've been here. We've been yeah. here before. Um, and it's nice. Yeah. And they're, and they're really, you know, the way they run their scene, there's a lot to be learned from the drum and bass and the jungle guys in terms of community, in terms of like ownership. And, you know, it was one really owning, especially jungle kind of really keep it in the community, I would say, and not let it get like completely whitewashed or, or main, mainstreamified. It always kind of, it's gate kept quite well, I would say. In a good way. In a good way. Yeah. Like not in a way like not anyone can make it, but in a way like, well, if you're going to like the people that have been making it are still, are still getting paid from it and put it that way, you know, and they're still doing those shows and doing those gigs and it's not kind of become like, I mean, if we, you know, you can look at so many different genres that have been commercialized, I would say hasn't yet been commercialized. Yeah. Well, that's all I've got for you. Yeah. <laughs> Thank you so much. I hope, for I, hope I answered. Yeah. No worries. Anytime. I hope I answered enough stuff. Um, yeah. Just, yeah. Can I shout out my label? Oh, please. Yeah. Back? Please. Yeah. Shout out. Shout out everybody. <laughs> yeah. Just a quick plug on, on my label, Future Bounce, I think is a, it's a, it's, it's a great UK label in terms of what we're doing. So we've got like the club arm, which is like straight up club bangers. Like if you're a DJ or you just want some club music in your life, then literally you've got some really great releases. Some of those artists have gone on to do like some really great stuff like Hagen, uh, who's a really great Ghanaian UK artist. Uh, he was one of the first people on our club release. And then on the other extreme of that, we're working with an artist called Solar. I was probably working with when we had our last chat, but we're on to her third EP now. And the music's even better. Uh, the videos are even better. Like she's my golden child and I'm like pouring everything into her. And we just put out a song called Abide In You. And I think it's got Moses Boyd on the drums, uh, jazz drummer. He's playing on the drums. It's all sort of like fluttery. It's a beautiful fluttery song. 